Welcome to Living in the Glass, an exploration of Virginia wineries, breweries, and distilleries, searching for great pairings, processes, and influences on the growing industry in Virginia. Now, here's your host, Paul Helmuth. In this episode, we start a two-episode series with an interview with Gareth Moore. Gareth is the CEO of Virginia Distillery in Lovingston. In this episode, we talk about how his family got started in the whiskey business. We talk about the Port Cask Virginia Highland Blended Single Malt. We talk about their Commonwealth Connection and the Medallion Program. We also talk about their new flagship product being released in the spring of 2020. I want to start off with how did you and I guess your family get started in whiskey? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, like many, many stories, it's uh, not a uh, obvious or linear path, but um, uh, Virginia Distillery Company is the uh, vision of my, my late father, uh, George Moore. Uh, my father was an immigrant from Ireland, uh, came over here on a scholarship in uh, 1972 uh, to George Washington University along with my mother. And uh, he had a successful career in, in technology and uh, various other businesses. And um, one of his passions, uh, really as a hobby, was, was whiskey, uh, like, like a lot of people, uh, and specifically single malt. Uh, he was a big collector of uh, single malts, primarily Scottish. Uh, a bit strange that he was uh, an Irish guy, like in a, a Scottish product, but uh, we, we won't hold that against him. <laughs> and so in uh, 2011, uh, my dad decided that uh, as he was um, selling one of his uh, operating businesses that uh, he'd like to uh, start the, the next great uh, American whiskey company. And he'd like to uh, make it an American single malt. Um, you know, enjoying single malts from, from uh, Scotland and Ireland and Japan, and then being from a country that's that's really a, a nation of, of immigrants that take the best of the old world that they come from and uh, put their own twist on it in the new world um, and make it their own is, is a very long tradition. Uh, so Dad, uh, Dad got it off to the races in, in 2011. Um, there was a predecessor group that um, had... had uh, had some great hopes, but didn't get off to the races. And uh, Dad took the the assets there and said, "This is going to be Virginia Distillery Company." Um, and unfortunately, about eighteen months into the project, uh, took a hard attack and passed away, um, sudden and unexpected. And uh, at that point, my my father and I had um, started working together on, on various projects, primarily in investing and technology. And the whiskey was something we'd uh, we'd talk about, but it wasn't. Um, I wasn't in, in I, I guess, call it the traditional uh, investment uh, uh, criteria that, that, that Dad was looking at. It was kind of his, his side project. But uh, after he passed, I decided to take a look and say, hey, you know, what's, what's really going on with this uh, Virginia Distillery Company? And um, I, I visited for, for the first time down in Lovingston. Um, and at that point, um, we had some land, a shell of a building. We didn't have windows or doors. Um, but we had some of the uh, primary equipment. We had some um, uh, our, our two stills, as well as um, our washbacks and our, our mash tun. And uh, very naively, uh, I said to my, my my wife and my mother, uh, "Hey, this is gonna be easy. You know, where's uh, where's the on switch? Where you know, press <laughs> press a button and whiskey comes out the other side." And uh, uh, six years later, I can um, I can tell you very very uh, confidently that uh, <laughs> it has not been easy. Right. Um, it's uh, not not just a, a build it and they will come type of uh, approach or even just build it, um, but uh, a lot of uh, a lot of lessons along the way, a lot of, a lot of love along the way, and 
uh, ultimately, um, you know, do, doing our best to, to make uh, uh, my dad's uh, vision into a reality. Now, your go-to whiskey right now, or the, the primary one that you all have, is the Port Cask Finished Virginia Highland Whiskey. That's right. Okay. So what can you tell me about that, how it started? Because it actually doesn't start here in Virginia. Exactly, exactly. So um, in 2013, that's when I, I came into the project, and, and we didn't actually start distilling uh, until 2015. Uh, so there were about two years of, of construction, and bringing a, 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 a new brand to market is tough, but uh, it's even tougher when you don't have a product. And uh, we knew we didn't want to produce a gin or a vodka or, or some other clear spirit off the stills, and uh, we decided that we would start by uh, bringing in an imported whiskey from uh, Scotland. Um, it's a six-year uh, that we get from a uh, smaller producer over there. They send it over to us, and we put it in um, uh, Virginia port casks. And anywhere from 9 to 24 months, uh, somewhere along that time period, uh, we, we get a lot of uh, color, we get a lot of uh, flavor and, and sweetness, uh, and, and some additional smoothness from the barrel. Um, over those last few years, and we get a pro- product that we uh, we call our own. And then beginning in 2017, we, we, we had some distillate uh, that we had been aging for a few years that was uh, not quite uh, ready ready for bottling. But if it was uh, if it was added to um, that, that imported product and, and blended uh, very carefully, um, then we, we started realizing we could end up with something that really was uniquely American. Um, not purebred yet. You know, we had had uh, the import being a, a big part of it, but um, for the last few years, our, our Virginia Highland whiskey is is uh, being comprised of, of both that imported um, six year single malt from Scotland, uh, as well as our own uh, malts that we uh, make on site. So uh, they call us a blended malt because of those two. I like to think of them as a married malt because uh, it's it's just two. Um, and uh, we've, we've we've done well with it. Um, you know, one of the, one of the interesting things to me is uh, it, on the front end when I was still a novice to the business, I'm I'm thinking about it um, as as really just a way to get early revenue and a uh, way to to try to get our name out there. But you know, after going through it, I, mean, I think the, the real value was building internally within the team at at, um, at VDC the the. Uh, capacity and the, the competency around blending, um, because I think that's something that's um, often overlooked by, by consumers and even some uh, smaller craft distillers, just the importance of um, having a very disciplined process in your sensory analysis, um, how you go about your marrying and your proofing, um, all the way up until it gets into the bottle. Um, so so getting getting some, some competency around that um, in advance of our own uh, purebred uh, American single malt being ready, having that in, in, in our um, uh, our range of abilities is uh, very positive. So, I guess going back to the original one, how much has it changed other than just becoming a blended malt since you started the the flavor profile? So it's it's changed uh, slowly over time, um, and I'd, I'd say the the two things, or let's call it three things, that have changed the flavor over time. Are, um, one, um, the variety of, of port casks uh, that we use 
um, in our first batches, um, we were we were limited to just one uh, winery through our relatively small scale. At that time, we were working with uh, Horton Vineyards, um, and over time, as we started working with other groups, including Horton, but also bringing in King Family Vineyards, bringing in uh, Veritas, uh, working with Stinson, we had different types of port. And blending those together um, lets it turn from a few different notes of, you know, something that's more sweet from King Family, something that's more dry from um, Horton, to you know, taking those individual notes and, and making a, a chord that, that goes very well together. So I think that's the, the first thing that, that's uh, really changed the, the uh, flavor profile over time. Second one is the, the obvious um, of um, putting in some of our own um, distillate. So that you um, you have two spirits from two different countries that uh, are, are going to be unique in, in their own ways, um, and uh, the, the third thing is that we we, we recognize that the flavor profile was uh, not going to be consistent past batch to batch because it's too small. Right. Um, you know, we, we it's uh, when you're when you're a big guy and you're you're dumping hundreds of casks at a time. Um, you know, you're, you're going to have a grand average, but when you're only doing uh, a few casks at a time, it's uh, <laughs> consistency is uh, a lot tougher. So, so we started putting um, uh, batch labels on uh, about maybe our third or, or, or fourth batch, and it's been really interesting to see because you know there are some there are some batches where you know I'll taste them and I won't necessarily know which batch it came from, but then there are others where I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a batch four and five guy. Those two four four over five four four is definitely my number one. Um, I know some folks that really like number eight. I see sitting on my desk here. That's batch number ten. The one sitting on my desk is batch number seven. Okay, that's a, that's a good one. That's a that's a good one. I wasn't going to say it was a bad one, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> but, but see now, now uh, I know what to go look for. Is look for some yeah. of those four and five batches. Yeah, yeah. Well, those were really, those were relatively small batches. But yeah, I, like, I really like four, and then a lot of four carry over to five. Um, and then of course we do more than just the, the port products. Uh, we have the, the cider finished. We have the uh, chardonnay finished. Uh, we have the beer finished as well. And each of those also has uh, different batches that uh, speak to their unique characteristics. Well, and you. You have something called, and, and then maybe these are all part of it. Um, I saw you talk about uh, in an interview, you did something called the Commonwealth Collection. The Commonwealth Collection is specifically a partnership with specific groups, correct? That's right. That's right. So like with the cider, we work with uh, Potters, which is up in, um, was that Free Union? Um, up, up Route 29. Uh, Busky uh, Cidery over in uh, Richmond uh, for our Brewers Batch. Um, Reach batch for brewers batch. We've been working with just one single brewery. So uh, the first batch came from uh, Three Notched, uh, where they had a wee heavy uh, ale. Three Notched in Charlottesville, our neighbors. Um, and then our second one, uh, we worked with the DC brewery, um, coincidentally named Three Star uh, Brewery. Um, that, that was a product that we focused on for the, the DC and surrounding area markets. Um, and for batch three of beer, we're, we're back to working with um, uh, Three Notch in Charlottesville. So it's, it's, it's nice to have that connection to Virginia, not just in kind of the, the generic sense of um, you know, somewhere in Virginia is where, where this came from, but in the very specific of, um, you know, no, this came from, you know, this, this, this brewer, um, this came from this winemaker, this came from, you know, the, the guy whose hand we shook when we, um, when we picked up the cast. Right. 
So it's it's really nice to be able to impart a, a sense of place on, on, on every uh, product that we make that way. Now, what can you tell me about, I guess it's Courage and Conviction, something that's, that's being right. released yep. in 2020, you're hoping. Yep. But I also see something yep. you have <laughs> called the Medallion Program. Yeah, so there's a few different things. The Medallion Program is, is really just a way of getting um, um, first dibs on, on some of our um, uh, first products that come out. Uh, we, we've been getting uh, inquiries for years of, uh, hey, when do, when do I get in line to, to get your American single malts? And so we came up with a program where uh, folks could uh, get their placeholder in line um, as, as part of that program. Um, Courage and Conviction is going to be the uh, flagship product. Uh, that is going to be launching in April of 2020. Um, we are going to have a very small allocation of a pre-release product. We're calling that uh, Prelude. It's it's the Prelude to Courage and Conviction, and uh, that'll be primarily focused in Virginia, but uh, also also available in uh, certain other markets uh, outside Virginia. And we're going to be launching that in September October timeframe. Okay, so that's actually not too far off. How how much yeah, how yeah, much exactly. farther along will the actual courage and conviction come after that prelude? Well, you know, there's there's uh, two components. First is is the age. So uh, prelude will be closer to three years versus the uh, full courage and conviction product will be uh, four years or older, um, and that's just between our bottling cycles and, and when we're releasing uh, the different products. Um, and one year might not sound a lot to the guys in Scotland, but it's uh, you know, another 33% higher <laughs> going from four. Um, and then the, the, the other um, portion is, is that um, we, we have some very interesting specialty casks. Um, so we, for, for all of the American single malt products, we uh, use exclusively used wood. So um, the, the biggest component is uh, former bourbon casks. Uh, then we also have sherry casks uh, from Spain, and then we also have uh, coupe wine casks. Those are um, uh, former wine casks that have had the insides uh, shaved and toasted and, and recharred um, so that they can impart a really, really deep, deep uh, red wine flavor into the whiskey. Um, and so uh, Prelude is, is going to be uh, focusing on those earliest casks that we, we laid down, uh, which were former bourbon casks. But uh, the full rounded out product uh, with all three different types of uh, casks uh, is what you're going to see encouraging conviction. And and your barley for courage and conviction came from mm-hmm. Virginia, correct? Well, some of it will because we make some on uh, on site. But uh, unfortunately, the the exact type of uh, barley that we're looking for and to get it malted at the scale we're working at, um, but we we don't get enough in Virginia. Uh, so we'll have our own uh, a small amount of estate from barley, but uh, the majority of it comes from um, uh, the Midwest, where well, I guess uh, I guess the world's bread basket uh, <laughs> is, is the Midwest. Right. So, but it'll be a, a good good American barley. Okay. To me, and this is this may be just my taste. Your Virginia Highland whiskey has that signature peaty smoke to it. It's very light. It's not an Ard bag. It's not a Laphroaig. But it does right. have that nice smoky peat flavor to it. Will the new one for mm-hmm. Courage and Conviction have a similar type or will it have a different type of smoky flavor? 
Yeah. So, well, let me let me uh, let me go uh, all, all uh, nerdy on on your question and go into some uh, some, some as much detail as I can. Um, but I, I divide it into two things. There's it's kind of that that underlying smoky uh, flavor, and then there's the very specific uh, peat flavor. So when we think of that peat flavor, um, you know, our minds automatically go to the Islas, like a, uh, as you mentioned, uh, an Ardbeg or a Laphroaig or, or um, um, a Lagavulin or any of the guys out there. Um, and they're using peat uh, 100% to malt their barley. And so um, those, those really, really deep um, smoky flavors, uh, the peaty flavors get right into the whiskey. Um, but there actually is another way that, that peat uh, makes it into a product. Uh, it's not through the barley, it's through the reducing water. And so, you know, when you come off the still, you're, you're taking alcohol at about 75%, but we're putting it in the cask um, at around 62%. Um, so uh, a little bit of math in between, we, we add some water to, to proof it down. And then, of course, again, uh, when we're going to be uh, proofing for bottling, we're, we're adding more water. And uh, in Scotland, when they're doing that, um, they could be pulling from um, a river like the River Spey. Uh, Spey actually means flood. And so when the River Spey is in Spey, that means that the river is flooding and it will um, take peat from nearby fields and have very, very small component of it uh, in the actual river water, um, which in, t- in turn, when it's used as reducing water, will impart that peaty flavor. Okay. And so that's where you get a lot of that, that specific uh, uh, pea flavor, and, and that's likely where, where you're getting that for uh, our VHW products, and that did come from uh, from Scotland. Now, the, the other um, flavor of just uh, the general smokiness uh, can really be a, a more of a, a barrel smoke. Right. And we've, um, we've gotten uh, notes of that, but a big difference from the feedstock that we get from Scotland and the final product that we put in a bottle um, that the forecasts are actually adding a, a bit more smoke. Um, uh, for example, King Family Vineyards uses um, former uh, Woodford Reserve uh, barrels to uh, age their port. And so by the time we, we, we get them, we're, the, we're using them for the third time, uh, but we're still getting a lot of that char, um, a lot of that smokiness that, uh, that's been in the barrel since, uh, since its first use. So I would say for our courage and conviction uh, product, um, it's unlikely that there'll be any uh, traditional peat flavors that are coming through. Uh, but definitely there, there's some barrel smoke that we've uh, already tasted coming through. Now, you had mentioned the three different casks that you're using for courage and conviction. Can you say where your bourbon mm-hmm. barrels are coming from? Uh, yeah, yeah, we work with uh, Brown Foreman. Uh, so there's a uh, group that, that uh, takes them to Brown Foreman and then uh, Cooper's mm-hmm. one, make sure that they're uh, good for us and, and ships them uh, just one day over, really. Um, and they, they, they ship them whole. And when you think of um, the traditional scotch um, producers using barrels, well, if you're going across the ocean, you're going to be using a shipping container, and you don't want to ship containers that are that are full of air. Nope. Because uh, that's, that's what an empty gas is. And so they, they simply break them down. They uh, pop off the bands, and they break down staves, and then they stack them. Um, and when they get to the other side, they have master coopers who are, who are able to put them back together and... Uh, according to some of them, put them back together uh, better than they were previously. Um, but uh, here, here in the U.S., it's, uh, we, we don't mind shipping air if we're just ship, shipping it one state over. Right. And so we get full casks um, uh, empty, and 
uh, we like to think that that uh, that means that they're they're not going to have the opportunity to dry out like they might if they're shipped across the ocean and then broken down. And so um, there's going to be a little more bourbon left over. There's going to be uh, uh, a lot more moisture uh, from the previous product um, than than you would see if if they had been dried out and, and shipped over the Atlantic. Right. Yeah. The, the bourbon. What was the other two types? Huh? Uh, so the next type is a sherry, okay. and uh, that's that's fairly traditional yep. for a for a scotch. Uh, they've been using them uh, for years, and um, there's uh, there's actually quite the shor- the shortage of uh, sherry barrels because uh, it turns out more people like uh, whiskey that's uh, aged in sherry barrels than uh, people actually uh, drink sherry. Right. Uh, so it's a drink that's kind of gone away uh, over time, particularly in the U.S. Um, I think uh, before I was in the industry, I, I'd only ever had uh, sherry and like as a soup at, or with a soup at a fancy restaurant or something. Um, but yeah, we work with um, a few different uh, bodegas um, coming out of Jerez in Spain. Um, and by law, that's that's where all uh, sherry comes from. Right. Uh, there are four different types of sherry uh, that we, we bring in um, roughly equally. Um, uh, three of them are, are American oak. Uh, we have the Oloroso, the Pedro Jimenez, we call that PX. And then uh, the Fino uh, barrels, uh, and then we also have Spanish oak. So there's within sherry, there's there's four different types. Um, and then the last type of barrel is uh, what we call the cuvee uh, barrel, C U V uh, two E's, and, and one of the two E's, I don't know which one, uh, has an accent over it. Um, but those are the the former blended wine casks. Um, that after they've uh, gone through their first life uh, aging wine, um, they are then uh, treated by shaving the inside, uh, toasting the inside, um, and then recuperating it before it's uh, sent back to us uh, to, to age whiskey. I want to thank Gareth Moore for spending time with me. Gareth is the CEO of the Virginia Distillery Company in Lovingston, Virginia. The Virginia Distillery is located 30 miles south of Charlottesville, just off Route 29. You can find the distillery and the tasting room at 299 Eads Lane in Lovingston, Virginia. You can find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Their website is vadistillery.com. If you liked the episode, make sure you hit the like button. And don't forget to subscribe to the channel so you know when the next episode drops. If you have your favorite brewery, winery, or distillery, let me know. On our next episode, I continue my conversation with Gareth. Until next time, cheers. Thank you for listening to Living in the Glass. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find the podcast on most of your favorite podcast apps. If you have ideas of places you'd like to hear more about or just want to reach out, you can email Paul at paul at livinginglass.com. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.